Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Hey there and welcome to another episode of the Food, Family and Friends podcast. Today I'm really excited to introduce Claire Deeks. I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago and since then she has launched a petition against the health star rating on packaged food here in New Zealand and in Australia. She's a mum, a passionate real food advocate for children and families and she's based here in Auckland in New Zealand. Her petition has gathered several thousand signatures in just a few weeks. She's an interesting one because her background is actually in law, where she was a registered patent attorney, worked in London and in Auckland, specialising in trademark and copyright and misrepresentation in a variety of industries. Kind of funny, because in 2014, she kind of had a real light bulb moment. She started an online food blog for families called Dom's Kitchen. The blog has garnered a significant following, over 25,000 social media followers. It's named after her son, Dominic, who is the inspiration behind her own journey to real food. This year, Claire is embarking on her mission to create a kids' real food revolution full-time. She wants to go on the road in a speaking tour around New Zealand and Australia, and she's called it the Mothers on a Mission Tour 2016. She wants to inspire, educate and help support parents feed their children more real food. So you can imagine when Claire and I get together, we have a lot to talk about. So without further ado, we're going to jump into this amazing conversation with Claire Deeks from Dom's Kitchen. If you jump onto the show notes later at the end, after listening to her inspirational chat, you will find all the details about jumping onto her blog and also finding the petition to sign over this health star rating that really, really, really riles her. Joining us now, Claire Deeks. Hey, Claire Deeks. Welcome to the studio. Hey, Vanessa. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, it's so nice to have you at Podcast New Zealand. And Claire, you are from Dom's Kitchen. Well, that's how people know you, but you're really Claire Deeks. <laughs> but people kind of like, oh, that's Claire from Dom's Kitchen. So welcome. And um, it's really exciting. We've had a couple of chats. We've been on the radio together, which was really cool. And obviously, we have met and had plenty of chats about, you know, your choices in, in food and in life um, with you and your journey with your little boy who's now four and I thought what a fantastic opportunity for you to share some of those reasons um, for heading in the direction you have with the listeners on my podcast because we're all about nourishing relationships through food and every time I see your blog and photos of you with your little boy Dom I think yeah you are so nourishing and nurturing that mother-son relationship so tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me here and be able to share a bit about our journey and what we've done. So I guess it all started uh, when, well, so some, to an extent after Dominic was born, but whilst he was little, I did still go for all the usual packaged foods and so forth that you can find as a mum. I mean, the supermarkets are crowded with them. We were living in London. There were lots of different options. There was actually a lot of options for healthy foods, but uh, I was just totally in that convenience mindset and 
I didn't really think anything of it. That's where I was, and I was a busy working mum, and it seemed like that's what everybody did. And it wasn't until I came back to New Zealand and I joined a CrossFit gym, and I was seeing there was these posters and talking about a new different way of eating and paleo and and this is sort of where I got questioning exactly whether I should be feeding a two-year-old all these packaged foods so that's this the starting point initially where I started to question what was happening and what I was putting in his body. So were you actually feeding him or just yourself packaged food were you also grabbing convenience food for Uh, him at the time? Definitely for him as well Mm. like I was in that aisle with uh, organic free-range baby this and that but when you now go back and look at those packets um, you can see that there's it's not just generally bananas and mash and then if it is it's quite expensive mm, I mean when you're looking at what you are paying for so I but I was really at the point of full-time at the time working as a lawyer and just to me it seemed like we didn't have time for it and there were all these foods that were out there so naturally wouldn't I um, feed him those packaged foods. Also, he had all the baby rice, just the typical things that you would be taught to wean your your child onto. And of course, I had stopped breastfeeding, I think, when I was uh, nine months and gone back to work. So these were, at the time, I never really thought anything Mm. was, I thought we were really healthy. I was having all my Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, frozen meals, a chicken hot pot. Most people at the office knew that that was my lunchtime. Yes. And I mean, I hardly even stopped for lunch, but if I did, I just, you know, microwaved in the plastic packet and came from a background of not really ever cooking. And I don't know why exactly that was because... Did your mum cook? My mum did cook. She cooked... uh, she used, to, I guess, it's a sort of slow cooker type thing. Like she yep. would have it on the stovetop and just or in and, a crock pot. Did a she cro- have a crock pot? She just had it. Yeah, on it was on the on the stove. stove. I always remember and or in the oven. But it was always this thing like oh, because every so often, like once every once a month, she might forget to turn it on. So I just remember it was always cooking there because we were four kids. You know, my mum worked and. Um, so it was. She had to be prepared like that, but I don't know why. I just never really thought caught, it through that you on. could do that. Ne- yeah, no. So um, and and that was kind of quite well known that um, myself and with my husband, we we didn't cook. We we were known for like eating out all the time. And then when Dominic came, it didn't change too much about that. Just continued to buy food to, to feed him, and I guess you know I made some stir fry vegetables and that sort of thing. But that was really the limit of it. So. Then just coming across this new thoughts of actually really getting back to real food. And I guess I really had one of those light bulb moments that people talk about where all of a sudden you just think, wow, okay, no, I need to reevaluate this. And so that's where I've gone from there. It's really funny listening to you because my kids were born and we were in Asia So we had the complete opposite scenario, that there was no supermarket with anything prepared, you know. I mean, there were the few packets of things, but they tended to have Asian writing all over them, so I didn't know what was in them anyway. And I bemoaned the fact that there was nothing that I could just go and grab, and so everything had to be cooked from scratch. (laughs) Now, on reflection, yay. Um, And, you know, everything was pretty much – and we sort of avoided um, a lot of meat and things in the countries we were living in because it, it wasn't the best quality and it was really expensive to buy imported meat all the time. So we probably pretty much just lived on really good fresh vegetables and things. Uh, But I do remember when, you know, the boys were sort of up to the age of two thinking, oh, you know, I wish I was back in Australia and I could just grab a pot of this and a packet of that and it would be so much easier. (laughs) Meantime, you had that and then realised it's not necessarily the right answer. So, Yes, and it it wasn't 
straight away easy to do because I didn't mm. know where to start really. But what happened is I was in an airport. I, I don't know if the listeners know this. I quit sugar. It was Sarah Wilson, a well-known um, she, well nutritionist in Australia. And I was reading one of her books and I, in the airport and I, she mentioned the word paleo and then I... I, she was. I quit sugar, so I announced to my husband that night. I think I'm going to quit sugar. We're, we're going to quit sugar, and he's like, "Well, Dominic's not quitting sugar. What are you talking about?" And I was like, "No, yes, you know." But I said, "Oh, well, maybe it's just for a month." Like I was. It did seem quite extreme to me, mm. even just reading the book. But then, um, I, well, anyway, I just got started almost straight away. I, I, I ordered all these books of Amazon. I started reading and researching. And as a lawyer, that's what I'm all about, all about the research and figuring things out. So I spent a fair amount of time on that and then just started cobbling together different recipes from different books and, and going from there. And, and, and basically also, though, boring everybody to tears of by telling them about this new way and what I was doing, posting it all over my Facebook until probably people were unfriending me. And <laughs> that's when I had the idea that, okay, I probably need to start a blog and share my ideas with people who are also actually interested in what I'm saying. I think it's like anything in, in our lives though, isn't it? When you start something new or you've had a light bulb moment and you, you have to make such a huge shift, you, you almost have to become obsessed to start with and you can relax later on down the line. So, you know, so you're saying you kind of became obsessed about the whole paleo, I quit sugar thing. What, what, from that moment, so that's about two years ago. So how has that progressed for you? Are you still completely annoyingly <laughs> uh, <laughs> dominant I, in conversation uh, about it? Yeah, I, I'm sure that I am still quite annoying because I see all around me quite – obviously the real food movement is taking off and more and more people are talking about it. But at the same time, these statistics are very worrying about children's health and you're faced with it every day because I find it's quite strange. I don't have a dog, but it seems as though people are really inclined to feed your your children. There's so many different opportunities, even more so than if you had – like I'm walking around with him and there's just so many times where people are trying to feed your own child. So I guess um, – I'm just always feeling with that that I'm constantly needing to explain to people or ex- talk about what we do, which might not normally be the case if you were in your own home doing your own thing. And it has been suggested to me by my husband that you might want to go and live on a commune and then everyone will do you know, exactly <laughs> what you want to do. And I do see that. So you have to live in the real world. So like you said, I started off and I was very much this is how it has to be and this is how it works and we all have to do this. And it's the only way. And it's the only way. And I've definitely moderated that to the extent that I now can see that different things do work for different people. There is a lot of, you know, the the buzzword bio-individuality. So I can see that. There is a baseline, I think, of where we have gone so far with processed foods. So to that extent, uh, paleo is a template. It's a starting point. It's always supposed to have been that way. It's just different interpretations took it a different path. Mm. So the general idea is that it's an anti-inflammatory way of eating, a back-to-basics real food, sticking with the foods that we would have eaten for a long period of time, like for 90, I think it's about 97% of our ancestral history. Like Since humans have been around, we didn't eat these certain things such as grains um, we didn't eat dairy so when we're looking at how things affect on the body this is a way to go back and just say well let's just recalibrate let's just see how things are and then introduce them again and see how we go so for me I'm still very passionate about getting back to real food but I'm much more accepting of the fact that yes we're we are different and people might take a different path to get there or take a different option once they figure out what works for them. So 
just touching on that um, and, and coming away from you and Dom for a minute, for if you're eating out, just out of interest, are you more of the feeling that it's cool to have a cafe that offers lots of different choices? So you're sitting down with a group of friends and everyone can make their own choices about what they want to eat at the table, but it'd be cool if that cafe has enough for you to choose from as well. Or are you more along the lines of thinking there should be cafes that are, you know, predominantly doing just the real food thing and everyone should be going to those cafes? I mean, not the whole world, but, you know, <laughs> that you can choose to go to those cafes and, and everyone around you is eating real food and, and in the clear way of thinking, in a nice way, but you know what I mean. Well, well I, I don't – as long as – you can't change – you can't change what other people want to do. So it's supply and demand, and cafes would go out of business right now, most of them, if they mm. all just move to real food. Uh, there's not the – for them to buy in the product and to get it, that would be a problem. Mm. And, and, and there'd be people wouldn't want to go out or they want to go – maybe more people would go to fast food places like McDonald's. So I can yeah. see that it's not – easy right now but what there should definitely be options there should be gluten-free options totally I think that Mm. that's just being reasonable and helpful um, and will get more people in your cafe because if you've got a group of people and one person wants to eat gluten-free of course the problem is that this whole gluten-free thing's been transformed a little that's the most common thing you can find gluten-free grain-free but a lot of the options and the foods that are available there will have had other things added in which aren't desirable so you're constantly weighing it up Mm. and obviously we you know, it's important for stress relief to be a social being. That's what we like to do, go and socialise, go to cafes. I have to say that I don't go out as much as I used to, but then I did used to go out practically all the time. So, But that's pro- possibly a little bit about your choices, but possibly also because you're a mum of a four-year-old. Because <laughs> yeah. trust me, I would love to be going out a whole heap more yeah. than I do go out. But, you know, I'm a mum and I just have to live vicariously through other people's blogs of their beautiful dinners they've had. That's that's. Absolutely. So mm. you, you, every mum knows that you would start, and parents generally, you're not going to be going out as much when you've got children. But as to the question of where, I mean, ideally, obviously, in the future, some of these mm. places and what they sell, it, it just, it, we Shouldn't wouldn't even want to be, we, we will, yeah, there's no reason for it. Mm. We're all, at the end of the day, going to pay taxes on the hospitals when the people get sick and go there. So it's in everybody's best interest for some of these foods, which are really unhelpful, to not be available. I know. It's quite distressing to see uh, the fast food, you know, move into some of the countries that haven't had it before. Uh, and, you know, such places as Vietnam that had a sort of, you know, no expansion policy from from external businesses and now they've opened up the doors to the West, which, you know, in, in many ways for business is fantastic, but unfortunately it's a changing face in the cuisine and the food scene there and a lot more fast food and, and we're already seeing repercussions in some of those countries of obesity. And the problem is... Um, you know, around the culture there, one of the sort of feelings is you you show your wealth through how much you can give to your children in the sense of food and provision. It, it's, it shows your standing in the community or not in the community, but, you know, it shows your standing um, and that you have enough money to support your family through food. Uh, and if they're going – and then, you know, if we can take our children to a fast food place, we're even more better off but – the repercussions are you've got these really overweight children who aren't learning how to look after their bodies properly. And, mm. it's, it, yeah, it's mm. quite distressing. No, and I think you see that 
everywhere, even here. And even mm. I myself do that as well with Dominic. I try not to. I try not to use the word treat. I try to use special occasional because then ironically you end up using the word treat for the for wrong the, things. For, the, for the actual food that is not even a treat. And that's the whole thing. Really want something to emphasize is that the way that we eat and definitely Dominic would back me up on this. We eat delicious food day in and day out, and definitely we are in a privileged situation. We, you know, can never without can, can do. You know, when yes, we we have these options. But having said that, there's no there's no deprivation. It's not the only issue arises in that when there are situations where you've got, uh, you know, you're you're in a social situation where there isn't that option, and then you are feeling pressured in making that decision, especially as a mum when he's there and wanting to be part of what the other kids are doing. Mm. So, but apart from that, you know, it's not a situation where um, you actually are like, oh, I wish I could have that. Like you're not walking around all day going, oh, I, oh, wish, I wish I could have some no, chocolate cake. I mean, maybe the easiest way to describe it is if you're, um, for some religious reason, you don't eat a particular thing. I don't think those people, they don't walk around every day thinking, I wish I could eat this. It's just, Absolutely. It's not, it's not like that. It just, it really just goes out of your mind to, to mm. the most extent. So that's one thing. But you still find yourself using the word treat for these things that you really mean. It's an occasional, um, less than ideal option. That, you know, but you, <laughs> yeah, you use that sure, word. Sure, of course um, we do. So when you were talking there about it's seen as a, a privilege or a status situation, I see that as well as that the, the, at the most basic level, many mothers, especially fathers as well, with your children, you are using food as the reward system and you're mm. using food for love. And food is a symbol of love. Like it is part that brings families together in that. But what's ended up happening, I think, is that it's been hijacked by corporations and the convenience food um, systems. So it's not as though our declaration of love is generally a home-baked Sit around item, the table which, together. Yeah, people have prepared it together or it's a cake which, you know, everyone's had some input in. No matter, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be having it with standard wheat flour. But at the end of the day, even if you are doing that, you're, you're doing something and baking it with love or together in the kitchen. Your kids are helping out. That's not what's happened these days. It's the declarations of love are being made with packets of pre-bought you know, muesli mm. bars and things like that when we want the children to be quiet when we're stressed we're working we've come home they're whining um and i've done it as well i mm. try as hard as i can and more so it becomes easier actually when you have um more defined areas like now i just wouldn't be giving him muesli bars so if we're in a shop or anybody like that I don't get that whinging because he just knows. It's just like an absolute rule that I've never actually, he doesn't know about it, so he wouldn't think. Whereas lately with other things like watching some television, I've given in on a few things. So now it's like nearly every day. It's he's like whining he's whining it. and wanting it. So I think sometimes having a, a way of eating or a dietary protocol that you're following that's actually from the outside might appear to be strict can actually be quite helpful because you've got defined guidelines and I think as parents we're always being um, encouraged to be decisive you know, don't be wavering mm. all the time and I know it's not always easy but to me I've really found that with the way we do real food that's been really helpful. Yeah no I hear you completely because my children have often complained that we don't have a special drawer or cupboard for kind of kids food for when their mates come around and you know other families do when they open the drawer 
drawer and there's loads of packets of chips and there's all this cool stuff, mum, and we can make our own popcorn there and they have Cadbury's bars or whatever it is. And there's no judgment on the other families for having that. And it's probably pretty cool for teenagers because I'm at a different stage than you. You know, I have two teenage boys. So what I do now is that we've never had packets of stuff like that ever in our house and neither did I as a child. So... I'm not used to having, you know, a special place for lots of packets of food. So the boys kind of moaned about it for a bit and then just realised it was never going to happen. So they've stopped moaning, which is cool. But whenever I know their friends come around or especially on the weekend, I just make sure there's loads of food around. So, yeah, I bake a bit and I'll, you know, often make pancakes and bacon, you know, at breakfast and then make loads of pikelets with a leftover mixture. So there's things like that for them to grab at. It's not paleo, but it's not out of a packet either. And I can choose what I put in it and, you know, I can choose what's there for them to put on it. And I just think that's easier for me. And that's what my mum always had. She just had loads of food in the fridge that you could grab at, you know, whether it's a piece of prosciutto or a stick of cheese, you know, but I don't have packet cheese. You know, I don't have pre-sticked cheese. I have cheese they have to pull out of the fridge and slice a piece off and they're more than capable and that's where I just see this whole packet thing has become ridiculous why do you need pre-packaged bits of this and bits of that because then we're not even teaching our kids to cook or some basic skills like grab something and take a chunk off it Yes, so like uh, when you were saying to before have I moderated I suppose that's the thing is that you can of course now I'm not saying nobody you don't need to eat paleo, you don't need to not have grains. But what you need to really wake up and think about is what am I actually feeding my children? Mm. And it's definitely not about feeling then guilty about oh this is like that I can't do anything about it. It's about okay, I'm here now. Where what step can I take? What thing can I do today that's going to be that little bit better? I know that's actually really hard to do because I've got a few things like I'm trying at the moment to detox with my makeup and things like that. And I, I, I've got all these things in the drawer and I spent quite a lot of money on them. Like <laughs> and I'm really reluctant to throw them out. Yeah, sure. And also I know they work. So mm. I'm just, you know, with these new deodorants and things that they don't, they're not got antiperspirants. So you're like, <laughs> you're, you're conscious of when you're going somewhere, you want to have the one that you know already works. Mm. So in my mind, I can see how that's tricky for mums, because for example, the equivalent of that for them would be, okay, I could make up this new recipe that Claire's got on her blog, but I know my standard one works. Like I know mm. that. And also I've got all these vegetable oils and are they really that bad? Because, you know, I bought them at the shop, so they can't really be that bad. And also they cost me money. So I want to keep mm. them. So it is tricky when you're wanting to get started, and I totally can empathise with that. But I think just think of the statistics, research it. If you you know the the, the fact that we've got one and I think one in nine children obese, three hundred thousand diabetics, massive rise in type two diabetes for kids. Um, it used to be only you know an adult onset um, disease, and now we're having it with children. So. It means that you might, your children may be fine now, um, but you need, we need, you know, it's a really serious situation. So mm. we need to actually think, you know what, that is going to be a pain. It is going to be difficult. But I think that I really need to prioritize this as much as I can today for the health of my children mm. for the future and just start taking some simple step. And one of the easiest steps that I recommend is to change out the vegetable oils. So instead of using canola oil, if you've got that in the cupboard for the baking, change that for maybe a coconut oil or macadamia or avocado or these different kinds of oils. So that's one of an easy tip that mm. I would see if parents want to start that way 
Yeah, I agree. And I think you can phase out too, can't you? I mean, if you have bought some expensive stuff and you're starting to research and realise that maybe, you you know, that's something that you want to change, then just phase it out slowly. The next time you need to buy oil, then make the change. You know, don't feel guilty that you're going to finish off a bottle of something that you've already got there. And I think that's probably important as well because it is expensive and that's what I find. I mean, I love health food shops. I love going in and seeing all these cool ingredients and thinking, gosh, wouldn't it just be awesome to, you know, try something completely different and have, you know, all these funky little kind of packets of cool things and they are in packets too, even in the health food shop. And then I go to the cash register or stop myself and check the price and I am shocked. I'm so shocked and I think the everyday population cannot go and make those choices all the time, can they? No, but then that's, I think, it's that's, a, really a, bit, that's a bit of a, one. but that's something that happens. And even I do that a little bit on our blog because we find these these uh, businesses that we would like to support because they, they are making those convenience foods in a packet, which is helpful. So it's fun if I could try them or see what they're doing and I would like mm. to help them and promote them. But I think there's a problem that we do have that with a lot of, sort of, if I put myself in that category of health and wellness bloggers, people out there that are receiving um them those products for free or are otherwise endorsing them and giving people the idea that in order to be healthy they actually have to switch their uh, crap package products for these new health flavor packets and yeah. you don't you definitely do not i mean i feel like it's always nice probably the children like to have something sometimes in a packet just that's not because they need it but just to be more like the, the, other, the kids. other kids and so that's why i give dom um these little they're called kai carriers these like plastic pouches where you can um put your own smoothie mix or like yogurt mix so it's sort of more like those the um, yogurt pouches because obviously they're so popular at the moment so I can see that from that angle but that's the only angle I mean you definitely don't need any of these packaged products from a nutrition point of view and I do believe that you can feed your families well on real food but it does require preparation a lot of preparation so therefore time and knowledge you need to know where to go to get the food so you may want to be part of a cooperative and I mean when I sort of heard that first it sounded really like hippie hippie I was like and <laughs> I'm and, a lawyer I don't do that yes and so but it's you can and it's it's brilliant you'll be able to uh, get um, savings immense savings on food and if you join particular groups and if you uh, I can share them later if you're doing the show notes we can put them up but not just my blog but lots of other people that I've come to meet now their blogs they'll have discount codes and coupons so the the main barrier I would say it's not going to be in the end number one because it's going to although time, time and time being cost if you're mm. having to work so that, that that's an initial investment of time and then preparation and I know some people think that what I do like I would spend generally a couple of hours on a Sunday and if you include going and getting the food well then it's probably four hours but that includes two hours at a supermarket or a market where I actually don't see that as a hardship because it's quite enjoyable to choose the foods especially at the markets and then uh, come back and cook it so and then I would be preparing enough food which would mean that during the week I could do a lunchbox in under five minutes, more or less like a minute, and I could make dinner in less than 10 minutes. And most of that can be done on a Sunday and then through to Friday? 
And yes, I prepare a lot of things which then only require, like for example, if it's, I would buy mints and then I might brown off the mints and cook the onions um, with some herbs and spices and really simple, simple mm-hmm. things. And then put that in a glass dish in the fridge, and, but without any other flavorings, like without the curry or the coconut milk or whatever I might add right. to it. And so then on the night, and that will last until that's fine. If I do yeah. that Friday, that's okay until, oh, sorry, if I do it Sunday, that'll be okay until Friday. So there you have your meals, like for, for vegetables, we can cut them up, keep them. Different people have different theories about how they keep their fresh vegetables uh, fresh and not going dry if they've chopped them and um, peeled them. I'm not really a massive raw veggie fan, but it doesn't mean that they're really good for you to eat it like that. I tend to roast. So on Sunday, yeah, so I'll do, do a I. massive roast. Yeah. And then that roast will usually last leftovers until Wednesday. I mean, depending on how many people you have in your family. Obviously, a lot of the time, I'm only cooking for myself and Dominic or if my husband is back from overseas trip, cooking for him too. So we it's easy for me in one oven to get quite a lot of leftovers. I get that for a larger family, you're probably going to have to cook you know, specifically more, more um, and do another cook up. And, and another thing that is really helpful if you can is to get an extra freezer or a secondhand freezer and mm. be able to have that extra space. And I got an extra freezer now that I have and just have a stockpile of food that I've put into there. And yes, it does sound really a bit hippie-ish to be part of these um, saving money on, on, on foods and that, but it, it's really helpful and that's really the only way you can do it I mean if I open the fridge on a Monday if I've been out all weekend and I did go to the supermarket but I didn't prepare and if I open the fridge on Monday and I've got like a cauliflower and a broccoli and raw meat (laughs) I'm like there's nothing to eat oh no and then I'm thinking and that's the times where I do have some of the paleo toast that I've made but I don't like to use that too often I mean it's basically like eating handfuls of nuts and um, seeds so I do have things that I can step back to use, but if I haven't prepared, like if, if the Coomera is just sitting there and it's not already in Coomera chips, and lately I've just figured out finally how to make these crunchy Coomera chips. I, like I saw that excited. on your blog. Yeah, I make those too. They're really good, aren't and then, they? Yes, yeah, so if you've got all that done, those mm. in an airtight jar will keep for four days. So exactly, I think at the end of the day, it's preparation is the key, and we can't expect that you have to give more value to that than just, oh, it's preparing I've got to stand food. here and prep. It may be, you know, encourage your kids to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's actually an activity. And I don't know about other mothers, but everyone's got their own thing, I suppose. But for me, I find playing with Dominic's trains okay, but it really gets a bit boring after a while. I'd actually like it when he comes in and I can make some food and he'll stir the bowl or chop things up. And mm. to me, that's, that's time together that I can feel good about being a mum, sharing time, uh, and at the same time, have something to show for it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, my boys have kind of gone through phases of wanting to be in the kitchen and not. But at the end of the day, that's they know that's where they're going to find me and where they're going to find food and snacks, which is what they're usually after when they're teenage boys. And I find some of the best conversations I have with my kids go down across a kitchen bench. So whether it's because I've asked them to help with something or they're reaching across for something, uh, because we're not looking eye to eye. And as, as teenagers, they, they don't sort of want to sit down and like, let's have a chat. So, you know, that's where I can ask questions and we're standing side by side, but it's not too intense for them. So, you know, they're just helping out or they're making themselves, you know, a smoothie or something. And it's a chance to, to sort of just, yeah, just be together. And that's, I just think that's huge. And I agree with you. You know, I spent hours playing with Thomas the Tank Engine um, and I, I prefer to be in the <laughs> kitchen. Um, and kids can 
do stuff, you know, and I hear many parents, because of course I do the kids' classes and many parents, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe you've got a whole class of kids using knives. And, you know, it's similar to what you said about setting the boundaries um, around, you know, what you can eat. You you know when you go to the supermarket, Dom, you're not going to have a muesli bar. And for me, it's like, if you're in the kitchen, I'll let you use a knife, but you need to chop slowly and carefully and this is what happens and this is how we do it and we don't muck around. We're not having sword fights. We're literally – and they love it. Yeah. They love it and they get it and it's like, oh, my gosh, I can use a knife and, you know, they feel like a sense of achievement and, yeah, it's I cool, think, isn't I think it? kids can do a lot more than you give them credit for mm. and even I tend to be like that with Dominic saying, oh, no, be careful, and then he'll surprise me. And so I realised I was just limiting him. And it's really interesting what you're saying with your children. I can totally understand about the conversations. And, of course, Dominic's younger, but what I notice is I fall into that trap often, too often in the breakfast time, especially of putting his meal on the table while I keep going with tidying up or getting the Mm. lunch. So fine, sometimes it's just a practical thing. But I always, always make an effort to sit down with him at dinner and that's when I just notice you're just sitting there. I'm not giving him an inquisition about what he's done, but they'll just come come out with things, right? Mm. Just softly start to tell me something, mm. sometimes pretty major things. Mm. And it's that really lovely time when I try to set the table and, you know, try to get him. That's as late as, you know, that he would set the table and he does was in a rather interesting manner. I don't know where. <laughs> well, mine are still interesting yeah. and they're 13 and 14, <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> so, and, and that's just really, I, whenever I re- make that, that effort, which I try to do, I'm astounded. Like, it really hits me. Oh, you know, here's where the quiet times where you're mm. just sitting and, and looking. And like you say, you're not having to demand things or sort of put them on the spot and then they'll just come out. And I think that's what we're missing a lot now with food because I remember when we were growing up, that was a definite thing. We had meal times at dinner time, whole family sitting down. Mm-hmm. And now so many families that's, you know, the television's on, someone's at you know, soccer practice, someone's somewhere else, mm. the father, everyone's working late. or And it's a, that's something I think is really important. So if we can't do that on the weekdays, maybe just at least try for some weekend meals yeah, to do that. Yeah, exactly. You can't necessarily do it every time. And the breakfast thing that you just mentioned is quite interesting because as Dom gets older, and I, I mean, I know you've got um, an older daughter as well, so you're probably used to this too, but um, my boys, you know, are teenagers – morning is a disaster. So I used to feel guilty about the fact, well, not guilty, but sad that everyone sat at the table except me in the mornings because I was busy doing lunch boxes and, um, you know, doing porridge and making my coffee and charging around trying to get everyone out the door and me ready and all that stuff. And then I heard uh, someone talk about teenagers and it, they just said in a parenting course, don't try to talk to them in the morning you'll get absolutely nothing. It's the worst thing. The brains haven't woken up yet. They don't really wake up until about 11. And it was like, oh, relief. I'm off the hook. (laughs) Dinner's good. And, you know, Tim used to be away all the time when we were expats. And I know, you know, you've got a husband who travels all the time as well. And so there are many, many nights um, that we've had where it's just been the three of us sitting at dinner or I fed the boys and I can't be bothered eating myself or, you know, and it's really um, not nurturing or nourishing at all for our relationships. But I think uh, it can't be all the time. For us, it's now become during the week we all sit together because Tim's around more, which is awesome. And then the weekend's kind of like, you know what? Everyone has had sport. Everyone's kind of all over the place. It's cool to just 
make something easy on the lap with a fork and watch a movie together. And that's okay too. We don't have to talk tonight. Like we don't have to have a major conversation. Yes. Because, yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, families beat themselves up sometimes if people are busy and not home. And usually women, you know, we're normally like got this really lovely picture in our mind that everyone needs to sit around the table and have a really valuable conversation. And it's actually fairly rare that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I absolutely get what you're saying. It has I, to be I a think, balance, doesn't I think it? What happens to me sometimes, and perhaps, you know, that's because I'm in this situation where I do actually just have Dominic, mm. so I'm not at that chaos, and I... I see that sometimes I just fluff around though. Like I'll be at the bench and I'll be checking my Facebook with the blog while he's at breakfast. And that mm. I'm not going to beat myself up and feel super guilty about it. But the fact is, I'm not. I don't need to do that. No, and you're not treasuring so the moment. I totally you could have. understand. There's definitely there's there's a there's a spectrum, right, between yeah. when you and you'll know it. But mm. I feel like I know myself that there's times where I'm and you know I put the phone so he can't see it, like as though. I'm, it's ridiculous. <laughs> of course, As if he he's going to judge mum. No, well, and of course, he probably would if you had to give him a, ask him what was I doing. You know, think so. But I'm like, oh, I'm tidying the bench. Less, you know. so, <laughs> Half an eye over on the Facebook. <laughs> but I, I actually have a super secret weapon in the morning. Well, not weapon, no, um, helper in the morning. As my mum lives in the UK. So that's um, a shame that she lives so far away. However, pretty much every morning, uh, I just get the computer and Dominic, uh, she reads Dom stories while he has his breakfast. So, Oh, my gosh, that is so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's really lovely. And, he's gets, and she reads quite, like, you know, well, all sorts of wind oh, in the willows. Oh, my God, that makes me almost want to cry. <laughs> well, there's your nurturing relationship <laughs> for Dom over breakfast. No, so it's great. She does that. But like I say, sometimes, I mean, look, the length of mother guilt can just you can just go on and on right mm. because sometimes I'm like oh but you know now he's in the habit of like a computer in front of him and there's probably some wi-fi wavelength you know <laughs> I mean, you can it's it never stops but you have yeah. to so I think you know from a point of view of human relationships um it's brilliant because it's she's brilliant. They get that little habit going, and like you say, he's not. Sometimes he's in a really grumpy mood when he wakes up, but he'll always just. That's not needing. He's just listening to the stories, and then I. I, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. So hey, we haven't really. I think I, this has been gorgeous talking to you because we really have dwe- dealt really more with relationships around food, and we haven't like gone completely into paleo and and quitting sugar. But if people want to know more about what it is that you are doing along those lines they can go to Dom's Kitchen as you've got loads of social links and we'll put them all up on our show notes at the end and you've got so much literature on your blog and really insightful information about the choices that you've made and other people can go to your blog and read about that to get more in-depth info Um, but at least I think through listening to you here they've got a little bit about you and your personality (laughs) which you know is so cool um, because they can go and read the other stuff but I think that's gorgeous but before I let you go I've got a um, quick fire question That was hard to do this for you because for other people, I go like, you know, uh, hot chocolate or, you know, cappuccino or something. And for you, I've got, oh, wow, this is going to be hard with Claire Deeks because I've got to, you know, some things you'll be like, I don't eat that at all, Vanessa. So I've tried to keep it in line with what you possibly do like and what you possibly like to eat, but you're not allowed to think too hard about them. They're either ors. Okay. 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 So pumpkin or sweet potato? Sweet potato. Hard boiled or soft boiled eggs? Soft boiled. Farm or city? Oh, it's hard. I know, I know, I know. I knew that one would trick you. (laughs) Beans or peas? Peas. Bacon or pork belly? 
Mm, pork belly. Pork belly with crackling. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bread, albeit paleo, or crackers? Bread. Limes or lemons? Lemons. Tapas or metze? Uh, tapas. Roast potatoes or mashed potatoes? Roast. <laughs> and sunshine or snow? Uh, sunshine. And is that because you love the beach or is that because you love summer food? Uh, oh, just, I think I need to get, that was kind of a little bit like thinking too much there. I do that a bit, but I really need more sunshine. Like literally mm. I do. Need, need the vitamin need, D? Need, yes. So I think it would be, if I went to snow, that wouldn't be too helpful. I spend too much time inside. So I Yeah, like. I sort of feel like that too. And sometimes yeah. I look outside and think, gosh, it's a beautiful day. I must go and sit in the sun and have a cup of tea. And then it's already six o'clock and the sun's gone and you're like, <laughs> oh gosh, I hope it's nice again tomorrow. Hey, what about a favourite cookbook? Have you got a favourite? Oh, I've got. A lot of cookbooks because mm. I justify buying them all the time on the basis of it's for research, it's for research. <laughs> uh, what I will say is I've got a top 10 on my blog at mm. Dom's Kitchen. Cool. I do think Pete Evans' books are pretty good. Um, the Family, there's one called Family Food. Mm. Um, and But other than that, there's a, a lady called, she's an American author. Her books are called Well Fed and Well Fed Too. And the great thing about the way she's written the books is that it gives you a base idea of what you can cook. And then about five different options of how you could cook that differently. And I think that's really how mm, many people helpful. end up cooking. You, you get one thing that you do and then you just tweak it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. Okay, so we'll put those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming into Podcast New Zealand and being part of our podcast. Oh, thank you, Nis. Thanks so much for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Food, Family and Friends podcast. It's really a pleasure to be able to share such amazing stories and journeys of our guests with you. If you would like some more recipe ideas, some tips, tricks, a little bit of blogging, then make sure you jump on the foodfamilyfriendspodcast.com website where we'll be sharing lots of information with you. Also, you can have a look at what other podcasts are out and about there in our world of podcasts on worldpodcasts.com. If you are in New Zealand, you can also take a look at podcasts.co.nz because there are some other fabulous podcasts. Thank you once again for listening. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board this wonderful journey of the Food, Family and Friends podcast. Ooh, ooh, what's good?